0: Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org. So, uh, can I say something? It's really cool when God gives you something to just remind you you're on the right track. This morning, I got a, I got a text from a pastor. That I'm really good friends with, and he's moved away and lives about six hours away. And he just reminded me, and I never hear from him on Sunday morning. And, you know, we're kind of busy guys. And he sent me a text and he said, You know, preach this morning, brother, have at it, and and remind them it's, you know, that that, that you and I still both are, are weak earthen vessels. And I walked out here from my office and took a picture and I went, You're right on the money this morning, bro. How'd you know I was preaching from Second Corinthians four, and and he's like, "What? Wow!" You know, and all of a sudden we're having this interaction from six hours apart. I know God's up to something, and I know that He's doing something significant in in, in our lives together. You know, about three years ago, I, I you guys know, you, all of you know, most of you know that I I came to really close to collapsing. And I didn't know if I was ever going to do ministry ever again. I didn't know if it was ever going to happen, you know. And and things began to pile up. I found out that during the course of becoming a senior leader of a church that things, you know, you just learn and you grow and things got heavy. And I didn't deal with stuff very well. And I would often pack things home to my house with me that should never have been at my house. And find out during the course of that time that that was tolling on my marriage and I didn't even know it. My wife looked at me one day, five years in, and goes, if this is how it's going to be, I don't want any more of it. Within a a couple of years of that, I find out that the very fact that I am a pastor was having a toll on one of my kids because they felt overlooked. They felt like they were just the pastor's kid. Nobody engaged them on purpose because they were a real person, but because they were the pastor's kid, they thought they knew everything about them. And they, they begin, and I began to feel the weight of that, like how do I fix that? Found out another time. At the same time, that one of my kids was was dealing with a disorder and and, and were trying to feel, and I I, I went through all just a minute, like all of a sudden it was on me. I had made some bad decisions in ministry that were weighing on me. I had made some difficult uh, decisions that, that were just awful, and it was just laying on me. It was like one thing, thing after another. And Stan, I don't know if you picked the song list today, but that last song, I I would be insane today if it wasn't for that song during that period. And we don't sing that here very often. I'm on maybe a handful of times. I can never remember and, and, and didn't know I was going to start this way. But I looked up that and I thought, Lord Jesus, that's that through it all song. I remember walking around in the woods praying, asking God to help me keep myself together, listening to that ta- song over and over and over again. And, and here's the thing. We we are weak, frail vessels. I, I mean, in that moment, I felt like, you guys remember the scene from Star Wars? Now, Aaron, we just went from heavy to like Star Wars, really? Okay, whatever. Remember the scene from Star Wars where where Han Solo and Chewbacca and Luke and Princess Leia are on this Death Star? They're surrounded by enemies. They're they're being shot at by stormtroopers. They try and find what they think is an escape hatch. They go down this tube and find themselves in the garbage dump. Anybody remember that? And so you're like, oh, crap, that's crazy. That feels like my life. And then they're in, a, in there, and all of a sudden, there's a monster swimming underneath the thing, and Luke gets pulled down. So now not only are we being chased by stormtroopers, we're surrounded by enemies. We go down to the escape patches. the garbage is up. There's a monster in here. Then all of a sudden, the monster's gone. It gets really quiet, and then the walls. Remember that? That's how I felt. Like every week, it was going to be something different. Sometimes things like that pile on, right? Sometimes you just go through that. I think we all go through cycles where we feel like Han Solo and Princess Leia and Tsuba. And we feel broken and we feel frail. And is there another thing that the the, the, the life's going to throw at us that's going to break us off even more? And how do we get through that? Can I say something to you? We all grow. I didn't say go. We all grow through seasons and cycles Where our frailty is absolutely on display, and brokenness just seems to be a part of the circumstance. And that is the very area God wants His grace and His power to be evident, the very space and place. Brokenness is a continual process God uses to bring about a beautiful transformation. Brokenness is a continual process, it never ceases, by which God creates a beautiful transformation. It happens over and over and over again. Our, our text verse for this series is this, 2 Corinthians three eighteen. So all of us who've had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. And so here again, I, I said this last week, there's a potential here for us to both see and reflect the glory of God, but it's only Potential. The word can, we we can. It, it's a possibility. It, 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 it's an option. But how we walk through the process determines that. We, we, we can see and reflect the word of the Lord. And the Lord who's the Spirit makes us more and more like Him. Listen to these words. As we are changed, this is a process that necessitates more and more of me giving way to more and more of Him, so that change, this is words, some of this will freak some of you out, so that change becomes a normal part of me, of my Christ-following experience. See, I'm not what I should be yet. And if I get stuck in a rut and, don't, and, and are resistant to change, I have to be broken in order that God might reshape me. If I become rigid and stiff, suddenly there's a process that needs to go, I need to undergo so that God can shape me into how he wants me to be. Are you with me? Second Corinthians 4, 7 reads like this. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from us. See, we we all are like this, right? This is just a little old clay jar. Not much to that bad boy, right? Sometimes we're reminded that this is us. Sometimes, that's us. In fact, all the time, that's us. We're not all that in a bag of chips. We don't have it all figured out, and we, don't, we, we haven't got it all together. And every time we start thinking that we're not clay and fragile, that's when we need to be reminded that we, that's all that we are. My wife must have moved back because she thought I, she was going to get hit by something. I just realized she's sitting back there. Clay, fragile, broken. We are. We look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to me. broken. See, in this treasure, often, I talked about this a couple weeks ago and, and, and last week, oftentimes, they talk about this treasure being in there, and what we see in, inside of this clay pot that's really fragile, doesn't take much to break it, is dirt, and kind of that's what we are. The scriptures tell us in Genesis that we're made from the dust of the earth. God formed us on purpose, and so, but many times, it, it, that is how we feel. We feel like we're dirt. The crazy thing about dirt is awesome things grow out of dirt, if we allow the Word of God to be planted in, our, in, our, in this vessel of clay that has this soil of dirt in it, then suddenly, if it's watered correctly and tended to, fruitfulness can, can, can begin to take shape. But if we don't allow that, things happen. Here's the other thing. Some of us think about treasure, and, and our treasure looks like this. Just a bunch of brokenness, man. Just a bunch of beat-up... Pieces that used to be some kind of a life at some point in time, and now it's just inside that clay pot is just shards. Just pieces. Doesn't feel like it's much of anything. Doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. Doesn't feel like it's up worth much. Just a bunch of pieces of just stuff. And, 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 and you know what? I think that, that, that God wants to, that, to remind us that he's the one that's all that. The scriptures say here he makes it clear that this all-surpassing power is of himself, not of us. See, brokenness is a continual process God uses to bring about a beautiful transformation. 2 Corinthians 4.8, the first part of that says this. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. See, sometimes... You feel like, boy, it can't happen any worse, and then something happens, bam, what was a big piece of glass is suddenly a smaller piece of glass. Troubles, we we are pressed. See, under pressure, we are made pliable. The reason this clay pot is the shape it is is because somebody came and put pressure on it. Took just a lump of something that didn't look like much and then began to knead it like dough. And spin it around. You ever you guys ever feel like like it's spinning? Huh? You ever, anybody ever feel like life is just and then you're like, what's going on? And, and all of a sudden you feel this pressure in the middle of that spin, like poof. God's shaping a vessel that He can use. And you feel broken. The word, press, the word we are pressed on every side, that's a Greek word. And it means this, to suffer affliction, to be troubled. The Bible was written in that Greek language. And there's certain words that he, that he uses. It, mean, it has a reference to sufferings due to the pressure of circumstances or the antagonism of persons. Huh? How many of y'all have felt the antagonism of persons this week? How many of you felt like, like the, the, the pressure of circumstance this week? Huh, anybody felt like that? Said, the, the, the Vine's dictionary is supposed this way. It, it almost invariably refers to that which comes upon from without. It's that, these are talking about external forces coming in on you. We are pressed on every side. But he goes on to say, we are not crushed. I mean, God can still use this piece, even though it's a smaller piece now. And in fact, he's gonna, he's gonna, he, can, he can fit this piece into places he couldn't fit it into a minute ago because it went under a, a pressurized situation. He couldn't fit in there where it was, and suddenly it's a little smaller now, so suddenly it can go into a place it didn't go before. He, 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 he's not, this is not completely crushed. He, it, it, see, we come into the planet, we come into this planet with the need to be remade and reshaped. And most of us find ourselves in a spot where we think we, got, we, we know what life is about, we know where it's gone, and we still fail to recognize we still have need. And so pressure has to come in. Feeling pressed on every side. Feeling like, uh oh. And, 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 and the crazy thing about Jesus is he came because he knew we needed that, he knew we were just fragile. Clay pots. He 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 knew that we would need to be reshaped and remade and and, and put, put put back into the likeness of himself. And so he came on purpose that we could know him, so we could begin that process in being made to be what we were supposed to be. He said this word for word crush. He says we're not this. It, it means to be restricted. See, sometimes the things that happen, the 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 things we think we're okay in, are the things that are restricting us. My wife talked a minute ago about how we are not restricted by our flesh anymore because the Holy Spirit lives in us. But here's the thing: if we're still living for ourselves, we're restricted. And sometimes crushing happens because that's what we're doing. And outside pressure comes in and you realize you can't control certain things. You can't make certain things happen. You you, you think you can, but you can't. And so he was. And so it requires a little bit of pressure for that to happen. Not restricted. See, it reminds me of this idea of these guys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You guys may know them as the three Hebrew children who walked around in Babylon. Their life was an absolute wreck. They were taken in captivity. Their city that they lived in had been under siege by the Babylonians. Finally, they lose the battle. They get taken away to a country far, far away. Have to live in a culture that's completely anti everything they grew up believing. They're stuck in that mess. And the king orders an edict, an edict like this that says, "When you hear the music and you hear the sound, I want you to bow down to the idol made in my image. And if you don't, you will suffer the consequences of being thrown into a fiery furnace. And these three guys are like, we can't do that. The Bible says, the the law teaches us that we should have no other God before God Jehovah. And we're just not doing that. And when they make a good decision, they're put under pressure. The scriptures tell us that that, that King Nebuchadnezzar's Heart became inflamed with rage, and he looked at his buddies and he goes, Listen, crank that thing up seven times. Crank that heat up. The pressure is so great. The heat is so great in that moment that the Bible says the guys who, their captors, the guys who are holding them captive in prison, went to go throw them in. When the doors open, those guys die. And they're forced into this furnace, and then they were bound by certain cords. scripture As they wintered into that fire, They were being loosed from the things that bound them, and then the king looks in the fiery furnace and sees them walking around as free people. They were no longer restricted. And sometimes the pressure's on you because you're confining yourself by things you think and things you do and things you think you have to have, and all of a sudden you find out those things aren't that important. It's not that big of a deal, and you need to let go of those things. And in that pressure, being made pliable for God's handiwork, you find you're being free to be what you're supposed to be in the first place a good place to be. See, brokenness is a continual process, watch where you sit around here, by which God uses to bring about a beautiful transformation. Look at the next piece of 2 Corinthians 4.8. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. See, the, the thing about brokenness and pressure is when we, we find ourselves perplexed, this is our chance for our thinking to be renewed. In, in perplexion, our thinking gets renewed. Now, now this idea here, uh, the word perplexed Paul uses here in the original language, it, it, it has a definition like this, to be without a way, to be without resources, to be embarrassed, to be in doubt, to be in perplexity, to be at a loss wonder if we took a poll in here how many of you can cross something this week we like i just don't know what to do and in that moment you feel embarrassed like i don't know somebody asks you a hard question you're like oh goodness i don't i don't know i'm not sure i uh and then you're looking at all the options in front of you you, you have no idea what to do or where to go this is the idea Paul's talking about. He's like, we we've come into circumstance where we just don't know what to do. There's no clear option. There's no clear answer. We're trying to figure it out. And I have to start thinking, rethinking about how I'm thinking about everything. He, sa- he says these words, listen, we, we are in perplexion, but we are not in despair. This word here is, means to be at an utter loss, to be utterly destitute, to be without, to have any measures of resources, to renounce all hope. Paul says, that's not us. We don't know what to do. We're not without resources. We don't know what to do, but we're not without hope. He, he, he says, We don't know what to do, but we're, we're, we, we may be in doubt, but we realize we, this, is not, this is not over yet. God is still control. So sometimes things come in, and God, God's doing something in your life, and suddenly it's like, uh-oh, I don't know what to do. And you realize your thinking has gotten you in a bad spot. Sometimes it's our thinking about relationships. Sometimes it's our thinking about the Word of God. Sometimes it's our thinking about other people. Sometimes it's our thinking about other groups of people. Sometimes it's our thinking about, uh, you know, I had somebody tell me the other day, a really, really good friend of mine, said, they, said, they said, you know, you know I, I, I lean a political, you know, a particular political slant and, and I hear all kinds of rhetoric about how certain things are about people who, who have different lifestyles and different things like that. But it makes all the difference in the world when you can put a name with the face that's engaged in that. And all of a sudden, your heart begins to enlarge because you realize God loves them, and they're in a spot. And all of a sudden, you're, you're in a place where you have to start rethinking. Like, I, I, I'm at a loss. I don't, I've never felt this before. I don't know. And, 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 and I told somebody this week, had a conversation. Listen, we have to come to grips with this idea that every human being is made in the image of God. Every one I'm not talking about their choices. I'm not talking about their beliefs. I'm not talking about any of their social, economic background. I'm not talking about their race. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm saying every person on this planet, regardless of all that, has the image, imprint of God on them. And we are obligated to treat them as such, not as the offscouring of the earth. And sometimes we come into things that make us be perplexed, like, I don't know how to handle that. And I pray for you all the time that God will put you in those places where you're like, uh oh, I don't know how to handle that. I got let's let me rethink. Uh, I had certain, uh oh, ah, and, and how am I going to engage them because they're the people of God? I sat with a pastor this summer who 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 was in ministry, had been in ministry in, around this town for you know two and a half decades or something longer than that. I don't know exactly how long. And 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 his his situation forced his church leadership to rethink. And if they hadn't, the city of Chillicothe and Ross County would have, been out, would have been without an asset because he was a divorced man. Somebody had tried to kick him to the curb because he was divorced. And today, he's, he, he's a guy who's looking to help recovering addicts get things back together. Huh. Somebody could have... But somebody had to rethink. You get what I'm saying? Like sometimes you get like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't, know, I, don't know, I don't know. And God wants us to go. You know what? We have to be. We have to let go of. Romans 12 says these words. It tells we should present our very living as worship unto God. Our bodies should be living sacrifices. This is the only way that we can honestly worship God, right? And He says these words. Don't be conformed any longer to the, to the thinking you used to have. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can understand what the will of God is. See, the issue sometimes with the, with the breaking that we need, the brokenness we have, is because we think badly about things. We think badly about people. We think badly about certain church organizations. We think badly about certain political people. We think badly about this. And God's like, listen, I'm up to something super big that goes way beyond that. If you're going to follow me, you're going to let that perplexion do its work so you can start thinking and seeing the way I see it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says these words. It says that we should trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. Lean not on our own understanding. Our understanding only gets us so far, and the reason we need remade is because our thinking stinks. and, 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 and it's, it's not whether we should be people of the gospel or people that, 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 that carries the ideas of the, the justice of God on our shoulders. It should be that we carry both. And for some of us, that's a, that's a I can't believe you just said that, you know, and all that. Listen, man, it's, it's not either or, it's both and. And God will put us in places to stretch us in those directions, in those areas. Brokenness is, a, is a, it goes on to say, if we acknowledge him in all of our ways, you know what the word, it means, it means all the courses of life, every endeavor life could be about, every, every kind of piece of your life, the arena. If you could compartmentalize your life into work and family and friendships and hobbies and, and finances, and if you would acknowledge God in every one of those circles and every one of those things, then he would direct the path. When you're at a loss, you let go of how you think about things, you tap into him and go, God, what do you want here in this moment? Not what I want, what you want. You show me your heart. You show me your plan. You show me your thoughts. You show me your ideas. And I'll walk those out. That, that, that's what God wants. From us. Brokenness is a continual process. God uses to bring a beautiful transformation. 2 Corinthians 4.9, the first part of it says this. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. Some translations say we are persecuted. I want to say this. When we're in harassment... We get reminders of who is for us. All right. We also get reminders of who is against us. But I want to concentrate on who's for us, not who's against us. All right? This word, this word, where he says we are hunted down, it means to persecute. Now listen to this: to systematically oppress and harass. You guys ever felt like the whole system is against you? Ever been in an environment where you feel like, oh my gosh, like even everything that's put into place is not for my good. Anybody ever felt that way? You ever feel like, man, this whole thing is broken, like it's major broken, and it's all against. Anybody ever felt that way? That's what Paul's saying right here. The whole system is against us. The whole system is hunting us down. The whole way life is done is against us. And he says we're not, we may be harassed like that, But we're never, listen to these words, he he says we, we are not forsaken, we are never left behind. We are never left alone to survive. We are never abandoned or left in straits. We are never helpless. And so Paul, even though he's he's under great pressure as he writes these words, he's saying, listen, there is a system that's working against the very thing I believe in, the the way I want to live my life, the way I believe life should be led, but I am not giving up and I am not giving in. God is with me no matter where I go, no matter what I go through. I am not left in straits and I am not helpless because Jesus is with me. Romans 8.31, thanks for sharing, Rachel. I I thought, does she know where I'm going with this? When she says we're going to talk about Romans 8 a little bit later. Well, we are. Romans 8.28 says, Paul says, I know all things work together for the good of those who love God and the call according to his purpose. Romans 8.29 says that God foreknew us, and therefore he wanted us to be shaped into the likeness and the image of his Son. That's the purpose of all things, is that we would come to be look like Jesus. That's why there's a beautiful transformation taking place, right? If you go on further down and Romans 8:31, Paul begins to talk like this we are like we are like sheep led to the slaughter. We die every day. Then he says things like this, but I am convinced that neither life nor death not things present, not things to come. Not angels, not demons, not sword, not pestilence, not fear, none of that. Nothing of like that will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Yes, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so we may be feel like we're oppressed on every side. There's a system that's fighting against us. There's an enemy who's coming against us at every turn. But I know this. I know God is up to something. And he will not allow me to be separated from him or his love. He will make me to be more than a conqueror. Because he loved me. First Peter 5 7, let's talk about that. The Bible says, Jesus says, The thief comes to steal and kill and to destroy, but I have come that you may have life. Right? And he just said First Peter writes these words. He, He says, Your enemy roams about like a roaring lion. Okay, how many how many of y'all watch National Geographic Discovery Channel, Animal Planet, and then y'all you know, ever watch those big cat hunt videos you know what I'm talking about? Where they they watch they they watch them on the prowl. You know what I'm saying? And how they hunt. You know what they do, right? They systematically hunt. They, you ever watch a killer whale? You ever watch those killer whale? How they, the whole pod is engaged in the hunt, and their whole plan is to do what? To isolate. Someone, something. That's how the lions do it. That's how the killer whales do it. Guess what? That's how Satan does it. He's systematically trying to pigeonhole you. He's systematically trying to get you out on your own. He, they look for the young. They look for the weak. They look for the sick. They look for the elderly. They look for that. They try and get them out by themselves, and then they pounce. And so the pressure you're experiencing is for that reason, to try and separate you from the herd. And it's good for me to say this because we're starting small groups this week. If you're not in one, you need one. You know why? Because you, you need to know more than just what you see from the front of a platform. You need more than just what you see from the back of a head. You need to be engaged with people on purpose because that's how you stay connected to the herd. And if you're not in one, you need to be in one. And Greg and the leaders will be around today to hook you up. We, do it, we say it over and over and over again. You know the church has survived? Not by humongous church gatherings. You know how the church has survived over the eons of time? because of small clusters of people who gathered together under cover trying to make sure the name of Jesus isn't squelched out under heavy persecution that's how it has survived can I can I encourage you about something we have more mega churches on the planet right now than we've ever had you know what the trends tell us less and less people are coming to Christ and less and less of them who are coming to Christ are being discipled. So if the big church and the big production, and the big thing was going to make it all work, we would have done that by now. But the trends tell us just the opposite. And if you came here today for a polished kind of a good production and you just want to be entertained, you can probably find that. Well, you are not going to find it here. You're probably gonna find some words on the screen that are screwed up. You know, you're probably gonna hit a bad note over here. You're probably gonna find somebody stuttering or spitting or sweating or breaking things or something. It's like that's gonna happen, and that's just who we are. And I don't care. I don't care if it's super polished as much as I like care you get what God wants to be done. And so, you know, I, I, I got, I got. Anyway, that's just where I'm at. Scripture tells Hebrews 10 that we should not neglect the meeting together as some people do, that we should hold on to the hope we affirm because God wants us to, to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And so we just got to keep doing that. And when you're in a broken spot, your natural inclination is to, to separate yourself. You don't anybody see your brokenness, but guess what? They see it anyway. They know it's there. God knows it's there. Thank you, Stan, for that acknowledgement that God knows everything and He still loves us anyhow. And when you're hiding, you're not hiding for your good, you're hiding for your detriment. When you're isolated, you're not isolated for your good, you might be, might be good for your pride to stay isolated, but it's not good for you to keep growing and being what Jesus wants you to be. Brokenness is a continual process God uses to bring about a beautiful transformation. 2 Corinthians 4, 9, it sounds like Paul might be uh, quoting Chumbawamba. We get knocked down. But we are not destroyed. Cue the music. No, I'm just kidding. I get knocked down. I get up again. Okay. Second Corinthians 4 9. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. See, this, this is another. We we we've ebbed and flowed. We went external, in we went to external with film press every side. Internal, I feel perplexed. External, feel like there's a system. We're against my growth, against my my my, my pursuit of Christ. There's a system, and he's back, he's back to internal. We, this, this idea of getting knocked down means to be wounded badly. When, when we're hurt badly, we find healing and grace from the true healer. Uh, how many of y'all this week could even say, like, man, I've, I've been put down? That's another word. It means. I've been put down. Somebody say something this week that just wounded you to, the, to, to your soul. Huh? I feel like I said something that just wounded you to the very heart of your being, like, hmm. and it wasn't Cupid's arrow. You know what I'm saying? Right in, the, right right smack in the middle there. Listen, Paul says we are hurt badly, but we are not brought to clear ruin. We are not brought to destruction. We are we will not lose to, to, to be brought to be to be struck down and and that word to, to be not destroyed. The word destroyed there means to be unaware of location. Listen, God knows exactly where you are. You are not struck down. It, it means to, to disappear, like. To cease to exist, some of you think like this is it, no more, I can't take it. Life's gone some way and I, I'm, I'm no longer going to be around, I'm not going to make it. And God's like, nope, I'm for you, I'm not against you. I am with you, you are going to make it, you are not destroyed. It infers, the Bible says in, in Matthew, that, 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 that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. We can feel it. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. Even if human people were the ones who inflicted the, the great hurt, it wasn't them at all. It was the plan of the enemy to bring hurt to you. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our, Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Grace. Where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. How many are looking forward to the day Jesus makes his appearance? Huh? Huh? That's what he's talking about. But then like Paul did last week, we looked at a piece of scripture last week where he talked about how he, how he rejoiced in certain things. Listen to the next things. We can rejoice too, also, when, how many of y'all have done this this week? We run into problems and trials. Huh? How many, of y'all, how many of y'all have rejoiced in problems and trials this week? Oh, there's another one. Hallelujah. Oh, God's trying to make me more like Jesus. I feel so good. He's not done with me yet. He's not finished with me yet. And then you're like, oh, man, I just, this feel so bad. I don't, I don't know what to do. I just, I and Paul's like, we can rejoice. Straighten up, man. God's up to something. Right? When we understand that God is always up to something, regardless of how awful or difficult life is, it's like he's like, listen, yeah, let me have that. Oh, that's a beautiful piece. I have just the right spot for that. Imagine that I just there's a there's a place I've been waiting for for all of time to stick that piece in and you've given me the opportunity. God's rejoicing in that moment not because he's sadistic or masochistic or anything like that because he sees something in your brokenness that you can't see. He sees something in that, that he's making, because he says, and endurance develops strength of, see, for we know that they help us, those problems and trials develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. That's beautiful. The thing that's unveiling the heart of God in your life is the difficulty. The thing that's unveiling the love of God in your life and through your life is the hard time. It's the thing that's bringing it all out into the open, if you'll let it. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 1, that when we go through hard times, it's for our comfort. The, the, The same comfort we receive from God through our trials and suffering is the comfort by which we comfort other people. And so even the difficulty that you're going through right now, this shard of glass that used to be a part of your life, suddenly he goes, remember how I helped you walk through that piece of brokenness? He's like, dude, there's this other person and they're walking through it. Now, would you walk alongside of them? Hey, would you pray for them like you wanted people praying for you when you were going through difficult stuff? Hey, would you sit down? Hey, I don't need you to say anything. I need you just to hurt alongside of them. Just be present, and they hurt because you get it. You know what I'm saying? That's the spot that little piece of brokenness fits into is that spot where somebody else needs comfort, needs help, needs strength. You don't, you don't get it until you've been there, right? How many of you guys have ever seen somebody hurting, and your heart went out to them because you're like, oh, five years ago, and you don't even know the whole story, but you're watching, and you're brought to tears, and you're like, oh, Jesus, please help them. I know what that's like. Brokenness is a continual process to bring about a beautiful transformation. Look at verses 10 and 11. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. So the life of Jesus will be evident in all in our dying bodies. See, a, a beautiful transformation is a con- because we'll never be like Jesus on this side. And he wants that all-surpassing power to be of himself, not of us. And the way he exposes how great he is is because he takes frail humanity and gets stuff done with it. Let me read you this same passage from the message, and I want you to hear how, how Eugene Peterson uh, tra- translates these words. As it is, there's not much chance of, of, of this power being of, of us. He says, You know for yourselves that we're not much to look at. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't broken. What they did to Jesus, they do to us trial and torture, mockery and murder. Here's the money line. Are you ready for it? I don't think you're ready. Look at your neighbor and say, Are you ready? Look out! Just real quick. What Jesus did among them, He does in us. And He says these words: two words. He lives. What He did among what they did for Him, they do to us. What He did among them, He does in us. He lives. So, what's the brokenness all about? Well, listen. It's about the light of Jesus coming through. Right, A lady at Grace made this stained glass window after she heard me preach the message I preached here last week. She presented to me this Sunday I preached this message. Didn't know I was preaching about God taking brokenness and making something beautiful out of it. And if you can see the broken, the, the broken stained glass, the pot is broken, but light's shining through out of it. And it's bearing fruit in spite of its fragility. What's God up to? He's up to creating something beautiful out of your life if you'll let him. But you got to be in a spot where he can take the pieces and put them where he wants them, not where you want them. He's gonna, you see, we have the opportunity to live in Christ's resurrection. Though death is all around us, and even it, feel, it feels like it's happening to us, consider how God can take our brokenness and use it to unveil his power. See, what he's been doing all the time is he, we can see and reflect the glory of God, Right? He's taking the brokenness and he's he's allowing his heart to both be known to us and be reflected from us. That's why he's taking these broken pieces. He's unveiling his heart to the world that he can get involved in any bad circumstance, any difficult situation. He can walk somebody through the most heinous and ugliest of nastiest of times and they can come through and they can be better than they were. Not because the ugliest was so great, but because God is. And he's he's up to doing that with you and with me, if we'll let him. Beauty is found in choosing to live in the resurrection. That's what it's about. So how, how do you let, how do you let that happen? How, how do you? I, wonder, I don't. I You know I don't care. I'm doing it anyway. I don't have time. Yes, I do. I read, I read this in a devotional the morning I, I preached this message at, at the other location. There's a book called um, Christian Chicken Give a Holy Life. I've just added to my devotional readings this, this year. And it's by a lady named Hannah Whitehall Smith. And it's just writings from her, her own personal diary. It says this, For myself, I feel that the Lord must do the whole work of restoration for me. For I'm powerless to do anything for myself. He must give me the desire even to be restored. I've been asking him to do this, and I trust not in vain, that he must also help me to view properly the earthen things for which I long, the earthly things for which I long, so that I will not grieve over their loss. He must so satisfy me with himself that all other joys will seem weak and poor in comparison. I have no doubt that this lesson of my own complete helplessness is what he has meant to teach me by allowing me to wander such distance from himself. I am naturally so self-dependent, so conscious of possessing powers and capacities sufficient to carry me through all ordinary emergencies. But now I see that without the Lord to hold me up, I can't stand one moment. I especially have needed this lesson in my work for the Lord. I have never known what it is to be utterly reliant on him for this. But I've always felt as though I had inward resources of my own to draw upon. How many of y'all felt like that? I still got this. I got it. Except perhaps in one instance where I felt utterly empty and when the Lord filled me from me. I believe this is why all my capacities for service seems to be taken from me. All my capacity for service seems to be taken from me. The vessel is being emptied, and when the happy day comes again when I may work for him, I believe it will be a work in which he will have all the glory, both in my own eyes and in the eyes of others. She wrote this in the 1850s, just previous to the Civil War. I still think I can do it. I am still self-reliant. I'm still self-sufficient. I still, But there's a brokenness in me, she describes, that only God can fill. Only he can take care of. So how do, you, how, do you, how do you get to the place where you live in the resurrection, where the light of the glory of God shines through the clay pot, where the heart of God is being revealed through your own brokenness? How does, how does that happen? When pressured, you have to allow God's spirit to make and keep you pliable, not to buck up. Many of us, when the pressure comes on, we want to go out our chest and be the man and got things down. But God's saying, "No, let me let me help you." The Bible says when Jesus was taken before Pilate, he didn't defend himself. He didn't try and make things right. He didn't. He just let the will of God take its course, and he walked straight towards what God had for him, even though I mean, his body would be broken, his emotions would be racked, his, his heart would almost fail him because of the things that were going on, and he just walked right towards it, went, you know what, God, I'm just whatever you need to do, I'll just do it. When perplexed, allow God's Spirit to guide you towards God's Word, to inform your thinking and your decision-making. See, I find that most of us talk a really good talk until the pressure gets on, and then we want to make our own decisions. We can say all the right amens, yeah, hallelujah, until it comes down to doing something outside those doors, and then all of a sudden it changes. I can give credence to what Rachel said about giving until, give, you know, until, uh-oh, and then, and then when I look in the checkbook and thinks, uh-oh, nope, I did not yeah. And then we, we stop allowing God's word to inform us. And when we're under that kind of perplexion, we've got to allow God's spirit to guide us towards God's word in all of our decision-making, to acknowledge him in all of our ways. When harassed, what do you do? Well, you allow God's spirit to draw you near to God and others you know to be for you. You ever notice that when you get under pressure, your real friends suddenly, like, do you find out which ones they are which ones they aren't? Huh? That's a good thing for you, although it's a hard thing for you to find out. Have you ever been through something and, you've, and that was a moment you found out God was really for you? Like he's the one, the one constant thing. They're like, wow, I thought God would, but he's really there. How about this? When you're hurt, how many have hurt, been hurt, wounded deeply? Anybody? Anybody? Uh-huh. Why don't you allow God's spirit space to use grace to follow, foster healing and hope, comfort? How about this big word, forgiveness? You know the, the most godlike thing you will ever, ever do is offer forgiveness. I said this to somebody this week. The most godlike thing you'll do is offer forgiveness. The most, if you take it another notch, is to offer it to somebody. Hang on now. Offer it to somebody who doesn't deserve it, isn't looking for it, and doesn't even know you have a problem with them. Because the Bible says while we were still sinners, we were enemies, Jesus died for us. So if you want really to really get a gauge on where your spiritual level is, check this out. For- forgive somebody who doesn't ask. Forgive somebody who doesn't even know, is unaware, and who definitely doesn't deserve it, and you will be acting like Jesus. And quite possibly, the pressure you're under right now is to create that moment that you can embark on the most God-like thing you'll ever do, is extend the hand of forgiveness to someone that doesn't deserve it. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org.